Welcome to the Science Witch Podcast. I'm your co-host, Angel, and we wanted to share this special field report that Inku recorded on location at the tree that owns itself in Athens, Georgia. Yeah, I was totally surprised during our recent Arbor Day episode, oh, this is Anku, by the way, when Angel mentioned the tree that owns itself. I was mainly surprised because the tree, which is formally named the Jackson Oak, is located in a town that I visit regularly, Athens, Georgia. Athens, the absolutely lovely town with a statue of Athena in the downtown and a lot of amazing gardens and parks and farmer's markets, uh, also home to the University of Georgia and to some deeply cherished friends and family, um, is a town that I visit a lot. In fact, Athens was the first city or town-ish that I really visited after the most intense part of the quarantine period, but even with all of that, and apparently it being well-known, I had no idea that Athens had this cultural gem that is the Jackson Oak, or the tree that owns itself, or the son of the tree that owns itself. So, astute listeners might remember Angel giving me marching orders during that episode that I would go out and scope out the tree that owns itself in my next visit to Athens, and here we are with my inaugural field report to get a sense of this remarkable tree to share with you. And through the experience, I learned from local residents about the Jackson Oak's history and current cultural power. As a content warning, there is talk during these interviews of harm to humans and other animals. And relatedly, we dedicate this episode to a belovedly lost defender of forest and humanity who the Atlanta police recently killed during a peaceful protest encampment. Tortuguita and their comrades were occupying a forest to defend the earth and resist the building of a hyper-militarized police training ground, and the murder of Tortuguita is a soul-shattering reminder of the likely outcomes of uncontrolled growth of an unaccountable police force. May you rise in power, Tortuguita, and the Stop Cop City movement, both of which you can find out more about in this episode and in the show notes. Now, let's get to my field report at The Tree That Owns Itself. In this first edition of our field report, Inku interviews two neighbors of the tree that owns itself, Daisy and Dylan, and talks about the tree's history and significance to the community. Let's join Inku on location in Athens, Georgia, at the tree that owns itself. I was lucky enough to meet one of the neighbors of the famous tree that owns itself, yeah, hi, my name is Daisy Brand, and I'm currently a graduate student at UGA, and I live near the tree that owns itself. <laughs> yeah, when when you first moved into this area, did you know about the tree? Had you heard about it before moving in? I had heard about it. Um, I lived in a different apartment last year, and I always heard about the infamous tree that owns oh. itself, but I never actually saw it or knew where it was. And yeah. so when I found out I lived, when I moved, and I lived just like two blocks away from it, I definitely came and checked it out. And I always see people here taking photos, and it's oh. really nice to meet people passing by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of a draw for, oh, for, for sure. folk. Yeah. What have you heard about like the history of the tree or any of that stuff? I haven't really heard a lot about the history unfortunately. I like read the plaques and stuff and mm-hmm. that's about the extent that I know about it. But I do know some people complain about it a lot because it does block off the street. Totally. But I think it's worth it. <laughs> it's such a neat 
little experiment here. Yeah. I guess it's been going on for a <laughs> yeah, long time. Yeah. <laughs> and as the neighborhood, you can I can sort of see as the neighborhood has changed around it, how sure. this little island of of land <laughs> has remained. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, according to the very brief internet research that I did, <laughs> the original tree from the early 1800s fell down in the early-ish 1900s, and they replanted the tree from an acorn from the original tree. Oh. So it's not only a case study in property rights for a tree, but it's intergenerational property rights oh, okay. for a tree. It's been handed down across one generation. That makes sense. I was reading this plaque earlier and I was like, this timeline doesn't match up because it was deeded in 1832, but then they planted it in 1948. So I was like, hmm, Oh that yeah, so th that would be the second yeah. generation of the tree Wow, that owns wild. itself. Huh. What's this neighborhood like? Um, it's a really nice neighborhood, super close to downtown, super close to campus. It's mm -hmm. pretty quiet around here. Yeah, it's really nice, actually. And it's like a good mix of apartments for students and homes for families. And yeah. so you get to meet lots of different people. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And the infamous cobblestone road. Yeah, it feels like a little bit of time travel, I think, getting to see mm. these really old aspects of Athens. So, yeah. yeah, and that's, I mean, what these, one of the things that these big, great trees do for us, I think, is they connect us to that kind of history in yeah. a way that like you know historic architecture and like this historic district here also mm -hmm. does but I mean yeah. yeah having something that's alive that's been growing and having a living presence in the area is is quite special definitely cool well thank you so much yeah, okay <laughs> I'm glad we were able to stop by and meet you my next talk was with Dylan, a recent astrophysics graduate of the University of Georgia, who has watched the tree that owns itself and the various comings and goings of visitors for several years from the front porch of their house right across the main street. Dylan? Yeah. Dylan, That's me. very nice to meet you. Thanks for taking time to stop and chat. Of course. So yeah, what's your take on your historic neighbor here? Well. I suppose the first thing that comes to mind is it's sort of funny to me because mm -hmm. I, you know, I live right next to the tree. So if I'm like sitting on my front porch over the course of the day, maybe like six groups of people will come and look at the tree and take pictures of the signs and like take selfies with it. And that's always just like funny to me to see, I guess, because like I live next to it. And right. so all these people like coming from out of town, visiting like their kids at the university, I feel like this is sort of a an attraction for yeah. them. And so that's like one sort of function that the tree plays. But I've also seen a lot of sort of, some people, it's definitely a minority of people, but some people like prescribe quite a lot of meaning to it. Oh, you know? okay. I'm not sure how familiar you are with like the Stop Cop City movement that's going on in like Atlanta. I've heard a little bit, but I would love for our listeners to hear more about it. Oh, well, that is, in a nutshell, the city of Atlanta is trying to cut down the largest urban forest in the country to build a police training center there. Hyper-militarization. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the reason I bring that up is because in January, a forest defender was killed by Atlanta police right. in a raid that they did there. And after that happened, there were lots of protests and 
vigils that took place around the country. Mm-hmm. And the tree that owns itself was actually the location of a, uh, a vigil oh, for wow. Tortuguita, yeah. the person who was killed. And so, yeah, there were signs and, you know, people brought flowers and crystals and little knickknacks and people wrote letters and things and mm-hmm. left them at the tree. Mm-hmm. And so that is obviously a very different function than just like a tourist attraction. Right. You know, people right. were, there was a lot of like importance. And I think that sort of with what might be a re-emergence of like people wanting to have some like self-determination mm-hmm. in the world, the idea of a tree that owns itself is very appealing to a lot of young leftists, maybe. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Yeah, even though it doesn't really own itself, but, you know, it's called the tree that owns itself. Who so. does own the tree that owns itself? I think it's the city, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Another stranger example of the tree acting as a sort of conflux of community power, maybe, is sometime in the last six or nine months, maybe, mm-hmm. someone left a decapitated sheep. Oh, my God. Within the little fence yeah. of the tree. Ah. It just showed up one day. <laughs> you know, that reads to me as, like, someone interpreting the tree as, like, source of power for mm-hmm. the community, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, it feels like a very sort of ritualistic kind of thing to do. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't, like, see the thing, but, yeah, <laughs> apparently yeah. it showed up. And something, there have been sort of a string of decapitated animals in Athens in the last, like, few years, actually. That is so disturbing. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb, if you will, and speak for the tree that owns itself and think that it does not condone the decapitation of random animals. Probably not. Yeah, I would hope not. (laughs) The sort of bringing together of people, especially around Tortuguita's murder, is a really powerful story that I hadn't heard about before. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, not just this tree, obviously, but big trees, historic trees, really do serve as, I think you mentioned, like, power or, Mm -hmm. like, energy, sort of these energy nexuses that, yeah, historically have been used in in lots of ways for community empowerment and resilience. And I didn't know that that was part of the story of this tree, so. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, trees like this one have been around longer than most people have. Yeah. And you know, the carbon that people exhale is in these trees now. And a lot of that carbon is from people who aren't around anymore, so. Right, yeah. It really is like, it's a long term, longer term than like, the people who come and visit it, you know? Right, So I right. think that that imbues it with more power than something non-natural could be imbued with. In a lot right, of yeah, because it's bringing in and releasing constantly, just like all of us living organisms are in a way that the historic architecture right down the road, you know, it, it connects us to certain aspects of the past, but not in the living, literally breathing way that yeah. like, this tree and other trees around it. Yeah, no, it's, it's very much like a process. Yeah. 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 Do you know that this isn't actually the tree that owns itself? I have, have heard that, that, yeah. They call it, what, the son of the tree that owns itself? Uh, yeah, the acorn, yeah. That's part of what I've been learning about. So I suppose, you know, I do, like, I see, like, 
UGA kids coming to the tree and taking selfies with it, and I sort of look down my nose from my front porch, I guess. <laughs> but it is like, you know, the fact that it is important to a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think sort of just makes it important. Totally. I think anything, most things in the natural world that we can connect with and that can feed a bridge to non-human life and biospheres and ecosystems is probably a net positive. Yeah. Definitely we need more forests and less cop cities Definitely. regardless. Definitely. Yeah. 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 The road here is very annoying, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. One lane. Yeah, are, I see there are some scrapes on that. Have you ever seen, like, accidents or anything here? I've seen several accidents, yeah. No, yeah. people come too fast this way and don't realize that there are stop signs here and everything. So. Right. But oh, the tree's revenge. Yeah, for the tree, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sort of reminds me of, like, I don't know if you've read White Noise by Don DeLillo or maybe seen the not. movie that no, came out I recently. Haven't. Yeah. In that, there's this, like the most photographed barn in America and it's like a tourist attraction and people come and take pictures of it because it's called the most photographed barn in America. <laughs> right, self-fulfilling prophecy Yeah, situation. yeah. And so seeing, you know, people come to the tree and like take pictures of the tree that owns itself, I can't help but be reminded of that. Yeah. I like the tree. It is really stunning. Yeah. What do you think the community's reaction would be if someone actually threatened this tree or if there was like a movement in city council to not have people scuff up their cars or something by by removing the tree? How do you think the community would react? I like to think that people would sort of not allow that to happen, Mm -hmm. you know? It would honestly, I would be more surprised though if something like that were even like proposed. Yeah. Because there's, you know, like people want to keep Athens weird and stuff like that and this is like... This is one of the claims to fame for the town. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's been around for a really long time. Right. So, you know, we've got this in, like, REM, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. It's one of the things that I think Athens is known for. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think anyone would, if someone were, tried to, were, were to try to take away that piece of Athens' identity, I think, I think it wouldn't be uh, supported. I don't know if someone would, like, chain themselves to it or something, but, you know. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much. You're very yeah. welcome. It was we nice to meet you. dedicate this episode to Tortuguita and the movement to end Cop City. Oh, cool. That would be great. Thank you to Dylan and Daisy for talking with us about this special tree. Stay tuned for more field reports from Inku in upcoming episodes. We will be back with part two of our interview with Nadia on sacred porn. And I will be sharing a Wild Witches episode where I interviewed Michael Agee, who is one of the founders of the pagan sanctuary Finnan on legacy, land, and the road towards nonprofit status of this beautiful pagan-owned community located in Vernonia, Oregon. Also, I just posted an episode of Who's in Bloom on Wisteria on our Patreon, and we will be sending out our next stickers in our sticker exchange of Iris. Goddess of Rainbows by Ara, who will be a featured guest on the podcast in an upcoming episode. Finally, on Patreon, at our Science Witch Coven level, I am finally getting around to doing birth chart analysis for our supporters at this level, as I will be teaching a class on deciphering your birth chart with former guest on the podcast, Tikva. If you happen to be local to Salem, Oregon, and would like to learn more about reading your birth chart, you can sign up for the class on our Witchy Workshops webpage, link in the show notes. 
Don't forget that we will be presenting and attending Mystic South in Atlanta, Georgia, July 14th through the 17th. We really hope to connect with our listeners and meet more witchy folks in the southern United States. Find us on social media as Science Witch Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Science Witch Pod on Twitter. Show notes and bonus pictures of the tree that owns itself can be found on our website at sciencewitchpodcast.com. And if you would like to see more episodes like this, or you happen to have an interesting feature for this new series on the podcast, feel free to email us at questions at sciencewitchpodcast.com. Until next time, live long and prosper, and blessed be.